Hey guys, just before we get into it, we would like to acknowledge our podcast partners in Beyond Blue. If you're feeling low, anxious, or need to talk to someone, please contact the people at Beyond Blue. Their phone number is 1300 224 636. You can visit them on the website as well at www.beyondblue.org.au forward slash get support. Enjoy the episode. Thanks, guys. It has been a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I'm doing well, thanks, mate. Um, I'm not sure what the last update was reading my leg, but I'm over the infection now and uh, waiting for my three-month scan is next. So that's exciting. We're getting through recovery now, which is great. Um, and yeah, everything's going well at home, mate. And how about yourself? Yeah, mate, I'm going okay. Um, jumping straight into the mental health minute. Um, it was... Like it's been still pretty much the same as what it was last time, going through a fairly tiring period. Um, and then we had a not someone that I was close with, but someone that I, I knew um, pass away last weekend. And um, that just sort of made the last week bring, I guess, a lot of things into reflection. Um, reflection is one of my core values. And I, I just spent a lot of the week reflecting on the things that the values that that person held and um, that were important. And yeah, just, I guess it brings everything, as I said, into that sort of sharp reflection. I, I think I bared my soul in a little message to, to you and um, some of our other friends, um, just sort of explaining that I feel very lucky to have you all and love you. Um, it's, it was... Um, Life can be hard with all those sorts of things. So it's been a, it's been a, as much as that's a terrible thing to have happened, it's been a fine week. Um, I, I quite like reflecting on people that are important to me um, and reflecting on the values and then trying to embrace those values and make promises to those people that have passed and say, I'm not going to let those values go with you. Um, I'll be the one to hold them. So yeah, that's really that's lovely. That's uh... yeah. Yeah, it was a lovely message that you wrote, and yeah, very very sorry that you've lost someone close to you, and and it's um, you know, it's it's obviously a tough time, and it's probably only emphasised by what we're going through here in Victoria, um, or exacerbated, probably better word for it. Um, but yeah, you you know, equally, I think our group responded to you and and myself included that yeah, you're loved and appreciated and you know you're you're a good mate to to me and to all our friends and yeah you um you know it kind of sucks when you go through a bit of a time but it's also a bit of a bad time it's also good to reflect on those times and that's what you do do well and it was yeah it was a lovely message to to sit there and read and you know it was it was vulnerable and it was open and it was honest and i felt that yeah yeah you got some open and vulnerable responses which was great so um yeah, and I guess more my mental health. Uh, I've been in a much better space probably more recently, just getting on with recovery with the leg. Um, feels like I'm achieving things again. Um, work's been flat chat, which has been it's been a little bit probably uh, I wouldn't say stressful, but um, it's been hectic. And, and you know, also working from home and managing um, my daughter and trying to help my wife as much as I can as I, as I slowly recover as well from my leg. It's it's all a bit of a juggle at the moment, but but controlling it as well as we can and dealing with what we what we can, and uh, you know it's just it's a really good 
kind of thing to sit back and reflect on you know control what you can and and accept what you can't kind of thing and um certainly forces you to do it um <laughs> what was that message mate <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah sorry we've, we've we've got a um we've got uh, sean's i don't know if you can hear the vibration in the background when sean gets a message but one of our friends uh lives in perth and uh he's up is he in the northern territory at the moment no no he's up in broome close oh, enough he's in broome yeah he's in broome um holidaying and um showing off so i was just commenting on some photos that he sent saying that the scenery did look nice um <laughs> yes and his messages were not that well appreciated i think might be the other thing, but <laughs> no no it's, it's all tongue-in-cheek but yeah look i mean it, it's i think um i think it was interesting i was talking to a friend um the other night about the changes in the restrictions with the the single person bubble yeah um and this is one of my mates who lives you know he grew up in st kilda lives in hillsville um because he, he was working on the vineyards up there and um so he was living away from all his friends and he used to come down every second or third weekend and um and catch up with mates and so he's been kind of very isolated up there um yeah he doesn't have a lot of local friends um and and it's been uh, it's been like a new lease of life for him to have that single person bubble um he's been able to create a bubble with a, uh, one of his good mates who's in port melbourne um, and just being able to get out of the house and, and see someone and talk to someone rather than over video. And, you know, it's made me kind of think, you know, through this, um, through through all this stage four lockdown, like with everyone, like I think everyone's going to have a degree of struggle with their mental health, but especially the people living on their own and stuff. And I really, I really hope the government's learnt out of this that, you know, maybe next time or if there is a next time for this, they consider those living arrangements first because i think that yeah i think that the increase in risk for the single person bubble doesn't sound like it was a lot um but the the decrease in mental health risk is is probably tenfold on on the risk of increasing infection so and look like we're not epidemiologists and, and i don't completely understand all that goes into it but you know for us to still be technically in stage four lockdown and them allowing it and we've keep to see our numbers keep dropping and dropping and dropping you know you you seem to think that it's not the you know um it's not going to drive the 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 effective r number up so that that isn't the yeah visiting people like one person dedicated one person one-on-one that isn't how it spreads um, well, like it, it can obviously if you both are if one of you is infected, but that's not the main way that it gets out of control. Um, it, it's group gatherings yeah. and public places. So, um, understand why they've done all that. But we are going to jump into the podcast now. We've um, we're behind schedule um, in terms of well, releasing all of these. Just just to touch on that, we have we. I mean, yeah. we've both been very busy, but um, probably the other side of it is, and we spoke about this a few weeks ago when we were going to record this this particular Fremantle podcast so we're not actually doing it in latter order with unfortunately we haven't quite got Essendon ready um but when we were prepping for this one we you know it was a question that's come up a few times on on social media is around the reduced list sizes and um we were just hoping the AFL would have some direction by the time we hit finals about about list sizes um yeah clearly there's still a lot of work going on in the background with um with the AFL Players Association, 
obviously potentially tweaking the CBA and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I really, it's, it's a bit disappointing. So we're just going to have to continue our assessments as normal. Um, I think if and when we get a decision from the AFL, which will hopefully be by the end of the season, we may do uh, like a, a two two podcast series to revisit the, our list um, cuts yep. for each side um, and, and just, well, by that stage, you know, half the list cuts will have been done anyway, but I guess how, yeah, how no, they we'll, should shape going forward. Definitely, mate. Um, but we will jump into the Fremantle one now, as you touched on Fremantles this week. Yeah. Uh, take us through the, the age profile. Yep, so 23 years and five months old in terms of average, so they're the second youngest in the AFL, um, and 52.3 games of experience, which is, again, second least in the AFL. Um, Median-wise, they're 22 um, and uh, and three months, which is the, the youngest overall median-wise, the youngest median player in the AFL, um, and that median player has 28 games to his name which is the fourth least in the AFL so uh, very very young list profile um, doesn't mean they're necessarily lacking experience though um, but no. you know it's been a great season for them to really throw games and remembering these numbers were all taken at the start of the season so um, they've thrown a lot of games into youth this year as we've seen with Justin Longmuir taking over so I wouldn't be surprised next year even if they're still young but their median keeps lifting and their their um, median games and average games keeps lift, lifting up so in terms of depth they've got uh, four key forwards 14 general forwards with three mid forwards 10 midfielders three rucks 11 general defenders and five key defenders what are your thoughts johnny it's a i mean i actually don't mind Fremantle's balance in terms of list um they probably just need a few more keys um because there's a lot of general forwards and probably not enough mids. So if you transition a few of those general forwards towards mid types and keys, like split them, um, so go a few more taller players and a few more midfielders, then I think you've got a nicely balanced team. They've got some relatively good ruck depth, I like their, their three rucks. Um, so I don't have many complaints in general. How about you? Yeah, look, I, I tend to agree. Um, looking just at some of the names there, um, so Lockie Schultz, um, you know, potentially he can push up the ground a bit more. Um, oh, who have we got? Sam Sturt will be more of a, a forward when he's in. Uh, just ba- can Bailey is, is, is Walters considered a mid-forward? Or a yeah, he's a mid-forward. Yeah, so he's really like at his best. He's a midfielder, um, or or like a he's running around at 70 percent mid time. So um, yeah, they're, yeah, they're 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 reasonably well balanced. They they probably just need to go to the draft and draft a few more in those sort of areas. Yeah, I'd like to see. I mean, they've got really good key forward stocks, and the fact they've got you know Tabata, Hogan, and um, and Rory Lobb who can also yeah. play ruck. So they've got some really good key forwards there. Um, defense when they're fully fit they've got some good key defenders as well um, they're like uh, who is it they've got Griffin Logue they've got um, Alex Pierce Joel Hamling um, Demand played a lot this year I think because um, just due to injury so they've certainly got some um, they've certainly got some really good 
key position backs. But given what happened this year, I think I'm not sure if Alex Pierce played a game. I'm not. I don't think he did. Um, yeah, I'm not sure either. And then Hamling obviously having serious injury and Lowe got injured as well. And then they also lost um, Hayden Young, who's 188 centimeters. It meant that often you would see Luke Ryan at 100, uh, let's see, 187 centimeters, manning up the second key. Um, yeah. Which you know they were just they were just a bit undersized down back, and obviously with Hamling and Pierce coming back, that'll help. And Logue being a very athletic and big, solid kid, he can he can um, he can kind of play a bit taller than he is. So yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing another key defender. Um, you know whether whether their pick allows them to get access to a Granger Barras, who I'm sure they'd be very interested in. Um, probably not, but yeah, that's the sort of player they probably need to be looking at. But I mean, it's a good year to have how, go after some height. Um, I think midfield yeah. wise, they're they're probably pretty solid. Um, we'll touch yeah. on that in a minute. Uh, but what are the key changes? Yeah, so delisted Harley Bennell, Scott Jones, Ryan Nahus, uh Tom North, and Hugh Dixon. I think that they recontracted um, Tom North and Hugh Dixon uh, as rookies, and then delisted them again this year. Um, it's a pretty common theme with clubs that relist and then delist again. Uh, retired Hayden Ballantyne, Shane Kirsten, Aaron Sanderlands. They had a lot of movements, um, more than most clubs, so I won't go through where all the picks moved, but Ed Langdon, Brad Hill um, both left the club. In came Blake Akers, James Aish, and there was a lot of picks shuffled around. I think probably um, the key there, what they did with their picks, is they knew that Liam Henry bid was probably... Probably the furthest out the Liam Henry bid was going to come last year was around Melbourne's pick, which was, what, one or two after when it actually came. Um, So they knew they had to get all their picks kind of ahead of of pick 10, effectively. Yep. So... Yeah, which they... Which they they ended up doing. There was that trade uh, where they sent out 10, 28 and a 2024th round pick for pick eight. Um, so moving up a few slots just to avoid that bid. Um, and then took those picks to the draft and got Hayden Young, Caleb Sarong, um, who's just fresh off a Rising Star Award, and Liam Henry. Um, and and so, I mean, they do have a 200-point debt or something? Yeah, they have a 200-point debt, which is going to affect them this year. It'll push their first-round pick down from 7 to 10. Um, which I think, will is drop, it 11? Yeah. No, it's actually gone past the Gold Coast pick. No, no it hasn't yet. Um, I don't know if it will. If I don't know how the 11 works. Like, as in, if that pick 11 is anchored at 11... Um, no, no, I'm, and I'm sure it, I saw when it, it for, said... That's that's wrong. Um, I checked it today, and the AFL website has an article up. Um, so the AFL website has it up as currently being ten. But what I'm interested in what happens after a bid for Jamara Ugelhagen, and whether it slides ahead. Um, I mean, whether it whether picks slide around twelve. I mean, pick eleven. Sorry, that Gold Coast compensation pick, or if that locks in. Um, after free agency compensation, before free agency compensation, I don't really know what's going to happen there. Um, yeah. we'll see. We'll see anyway. Um, but moving on, uh, just to their sort of because we will get to all of that sort of stuff when we get down to the picks as well. Um, their key players for the now, um, missing one of them for the year, which was uh, Alex Pierce, but Nathan Five, Rory Lobb, Michael Walters, and Luke Ryan. Um. Now, some of those players might be around in the future, but 
they won't be keys. Um, I think that the future players for them are Andy Brayshaw, Alex Pierce still there, um, Adam Chera, Sean Darcy, and Griffin Logue for for those guys to keep moving forward. I haven't got Sarong there yet. Um, Sarong was fantastic this year, but I, th- I think for them to go forward and be the side that they can be, they need all of those guys to go to another level. Yep, I think that's all fair. Um, I think this year we saw a lot of good development out of Brayshaw and Chera, um, and Darcy stood up really well, um, and Logue was actually playing very, very well until his injury. Um, yeah. So I think I think the future's looking bright, and I, look, I, I really like what what Justin Longmuir brings. I think he, you know, from the outside um, and looking at Frio's game plan and the way they they move the ball, there's a lot to like there for Frio fans. He, he's he's come in with a very clear structure about how he wants to play uh, and move the ball, and, and he hasn't been afraid just to keep his team moving the ball, and he hasn't been afraid. Like, I mean. You know, super coach wise, it's a bit annoying to see that five down forward all the time. But um, if it means you know allowing Andy Brayshaw to really step up, then you know when you're not contending, that's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, next year I expect to see Nat Fife move back to a better, a better midfield forward balance. Yeah. But um, you know, that said, Andy Brayshaw's really come on really well. So he's now going to be legitimately fighting with Mundy and Fife for time. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought there was a lot of positives out of this season there. So um, you want to run through the best 22? So badly. Um, <laughs> Backline, Brennan Cox, Alex Pierce, Nathan Wilson, Luke Ryan, Griff Logue, Ethan Hughes, Adam Chera, Nat Fife, and James Aish across the middle. Michael Walters, Jesse Hogan, Caleb Sarong on the half-forward line, Sam Sturt, Rory Lobb, Matt Tavener in the full-forward line with the Rucks being Sean Darcy, David Mundy, and Andy Brayshaw. Interchange from Connor Blakely, Darcy Tucker, Hayden Young, and Lockie Schultz. Yeah, I'd probably um, have Joel Hamling in there. Yeah, um, Joel Hamling, I, found, I actually found him hard to place because, yes, I agree, but when you look at their... Backline, if they're playing Pierce and Logue and Cox, where does Hamling fit? Because Luke Ryan is already playing fourth tall in that scenario. Brennan Cox is very good as a defender. He's a young, good intercepting defender. And Alex Pierce is supposedly their best key defender and a leader. And you're not going to not play Griffin Logue. So I don't actually know where Hamling fits. Yeah. I think they. I don't know. I think that Freeman will actually have like reasonable stocks, but they're always, always injured. So you just got to get them on the park. I mean, it's a good problem to have if you're going to have it. Potentially, they become more dour and they um, they move Ethan Hughes out and they play Hamling as well and they play well, Griffin Logue as, like, a sm- on smalls because he's athletic. But I think also you've got Hayden Young has to fit in there. And I would have Hayden Young over Ethan Hughes. Yeah, it's just so, based on what their side, side is like at the moment, really. Like Hayden Young in his first year wasn't much on Ethan Hughes. Um, this is best 22 right now. Um, whereas Bray, Hayden well, Young... Is Hayden Young was best it. 22 until he did his ankle. <laughs> like he was... And, and, yeah, but he, and he was coming he off two two games where one of them, he was just about best on ground for, for Freo. So Ethan, Ethan Hughes started on the ground for Fremantle every single game on the half-back or full-back line. So he, right now, 
regardless of everything else, is clearly entrenched in that best 22. Yeah. That's all I was saying. It's, it's that, I know you love Hayden Young, but it's just semantics. I, I, just, I just don't see that being their best. Like when we're talking best 22, I don't see... Hugh, Hughes might have been there for 22 games but or 17 games, but part of that was due to injury. Like I think give it three weeks and Hayden Young would have been... Well, Hayden Young was already starting, so... Um, we both love Hayden injury. Young. We both love him. So let's just move on because <laughs> oh, it's 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 a purely a fictitious best twenty two that you and I put together. Um, so so my question is on this as well is you know go. we've we've got Stephen Hill, Liam Henry outside. We've already mentioned Joel Hamling. Um, you know, uh, was Lockie Schultz in there? He's on the, is in the best yeah. twenty-two on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my question is, where, where does, where does Henry and Hill fit? Because I, was... I don't think, I don't think Hill fits. I think when they're when they're up and running, I think Hill is towards the back. Um, I think that Henry is not good enough yet. I think that he will be. Um, and probably the person that he pushes out of that team is Connor Blakey, or um, Blakely, sorry, or Lockie Schultz. But those are the people that, like, there's a couple of people that, you know, when Fremantle in three years or two years are at their peak um, or starting to get towards their peak, Ethan Hughes, Lockie Schultz, Connor Blakely probably won't be there. Yeah. There's three spots. And it's probably also. Monday's retired, Hill's retired by that stage, and the rest of them are pretty much still there. It's probably also worth noting, just to show you the depth that they're and the, the young talent that they're building, is they've also. Also got uh, Valente, who hasn't who hasn't been playing, um, and yep. uh, Tobe Watson showed some pretty nice signs, and he's he's a really nice size for a de- for a, I guess that third fourth defender. You know, he's like 190 centimeters, uh, looks to be quite handy. Um, yep. You know, that's they, they've got a, some proper depth. Like uh, it's actually and and, and um, Michael Frederick showed enough. He was playing best twenty-two towards the end of the year as well. So, you know, it, it's it's a it's a really good problem for Freo to have, and I think it's it ties into what we're going to talk about with the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it's uh, it's really, you know, I'll, I'll start with it. Like, you know, they've they've got good young developing depth, um, and it's all built around a good young high end core. So. Logue, pick eight, I think he was. Brayshaw, two. Chera, five. Sarong, seven. Sturt, 17-ish, I think he was. Young, yeah. pick... Oh, no, sorry. Uh, Sarong was eight. Young was seven. Henry, nine. Like, you go through that, you're like, wow, that's that's a lot of high-end talent there. And yep. um, on top of that, you know, as we've just talked about, we're, we're struggling to find places for three, four, five other blokes. You know, some of them a bit older, but... Yeah, they got some serious talent. They got some seriously good depth. There's a, there's a lot to like about them, really. Yeah, no, I, I, I think Freo have got a great side. They're one of those clubs that you would be very stoked to take over as a coach because they've got good foundations for growth. Um, they've, they've had, they've used lots of draft picks, um, which is a key to being successful is using lots of high draft picks. So, I mean, you can already see there that um, Chera. Brayshaw, um, they were what three years ago now. Um, yep. They've had some guys come through this year who have been really strong. Griff Logue as well. Like these, these are all players that they've drafted and it develops themselves at the club, which is one of the best ways to get good. Don't tell Clarko um, that you think the way forward is drafting, mate. 
Yeah, I think I've told him that too many times. Um, not to his face. Not to his face. I talk on a podcast, and um, we all know that Clarko listens. He's a big fan of the podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, he hasn't been listening to that piece. I mean, moving in towards the bad and the ugly. Um, Jesse Hogan hasn't quite worked yet. I, I don't. I still think that there was a. It was the right idea. Um, it was a fine acquisition, but yeah, that that hasn't worked just yet. Um, uh, yeah, I thought the back. I thought the last four games. I thought you started to see it really work. And the last yeah. game was that. The, I think the last game Tabner didn't play. I think if that my memory serves me correct, Tabner didn't play. And the fun. And the interesting thing was is like. Jesse Hogan would lead up the ground, take a mark, and he'd turn and he'd expect to see Tabner coming at him. And he was working with yeah. Rory Lobb and Rory Lobb's running the opposite direction across the ground rather than coming at him. So it really yeah. actually stunted their ball movement a lot. And um, I thought, yeah, I, I really thought that, yeah, like Hogan and Tabner, the last four or five games, really found things clicking, um, which I thought was really good um, for that. And I agree with you, like it, yeah, there's been some other factors there that hasn't quite got there. But if the last five games are anything to go by, um, I mean, Hogan's only 25 as well. It feels like he's about 30, but he's only 25. And, um, you know, really, you know, they've got a, they've got a function. Like Tabin has come on. They've got a really good functional forward line now. So um, definitely got a lot to like there. Yeah. Um, so the next thing was that, again, they traded out most of their future value. Um, yep. So this is something that they've been doing for years now um, where they continually trade out their second, third, fourth, and second, third picks at least, but now they've traded out their second, third, fourth, and fifth round picks. So they brought in another second, so they still have a first and a second, but man, it's a lot of picks not to have when, you, when you're still on the way up. Um, yep. So they constantly on the back foot, and it's sometimes... At some time, they need to just, I think the term is pay the piper, like just just pay it. Just pay the tax of not going to the draft as much and don't trade out your future picks for this year's because you, you pay a premium. So just cop the loss in this year is what I'm going to suggest that they do. The other thing that they didn't do was they made, they didn't stop a deficit from happening. Um, so I think that they could have, if they manipulated a few more things, um, but they got a 265-point draft deficit, um, which is going to slide their pick back from 7 to 10. In the end, it's not going to be that bad. It was going to be much worse a few weeks ago when we had originally written this episode up, and that was sliding them from 5 to 7, because that would have taken them outside of the range of getting someone like um, Granger Barras or... McDonald um, or Chilthorpe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Any of those good players in the top six, um, it would have prevented them from getting one of those but going back from 7 to 10 I don't think is that bad but it's still um, you don't want to get in the habit of owing so much in the future so owing all of your picks are gone and you've also got a debt Um, and I guess the ugly uh, is uh, people see this differently some people actually like it I haven't liked for the last two years when there's been players being told that they're not wanted mid-season I think it's a bad look. Um, I think it detracts from what is actually going on, which was a really good Fremantle side. They've been playing really good football at the time when you heard that Cam McCarthy was leaving. Yep. Um, you had the same thing with Shane Kirsten the year before. They weren't playing as good a football then. It's still something I want them to get out of the habit of just de- like delisting players mid-season. I think that 
a few clubs towards the back end of the year started releasing players that were not training with the group from their training commitments. Um, players that were already sort of talking about being released. But this earlier stuff, players like Cam McCarthy and Shane Kirsten, who have been cornerstones of, not cornerstones, they've been key players for them for a few years, playing games in and out and being, yeah, sort of in a public spat mid-season. I don't really like it. Yeah, look, I think this year is probably one where we're going to forgive these sorts of things. Just part of part of enabling, and this is something that probably people don't have a lot of perspective on, is that um, you know when you're not getting a game this season, you're living in effectively what is equivalent to the lockdown Victoria is in. Um, yet you're living in Perth, where all your you know, all your friends who don't play football, you know, that includes the people you play waffle with um, uh, and that sort of thing. Um, they're all, you know, out and about at the pub every week. Uh, and this is exactly why they can't be out and about. But, um, you know, and on top of that, they're also not playing every week as well because they're, they're not allowed to play in the waffle. So they're not allowed to play in the second division. So effectively, you know, their week is rock up to training, do training, do the meetings, do recovery. They might do a scratch match every second or third weekend. So effectively, this year is is literally them being a, a practice squad, and and yeah. So a lot of clubs, and I know Port did it, um, and a few others who are in finals have done it as well. You know, players who who aren't going to be contracted, um, you know, being told, you know, either this week or last week, and you know, being released from those restrictions is a really kind thing to do for them because it allows them to get on with their life yeah um rather than holding them in the in the covid bubble for the afl so i don't mind them releasing players early and stuff i don't like the spat which is what you were talking about like it felt like yeah cam mccarthy cam mccarthy particular yeah it felt like he was you know um like he look he hadn't lived up to what he came out there to do um and that's fair but it did seem like there was a disagreement between the player and the club, and that's what you don't like to see in public, or playing out in public anyway. It just distracts from all the good stuff, which there was a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Um, moving on. into off contracts, um, we've already seen some of these, uh, and we haven't seen others. So, so I'll read them um, out, and you can tell yeah. us, because I don't know what you've okay. done here. <laughs> that's fine. Um, Bailey Banfield. Um, I would re-rookie or delist him. Um, I've probably got him as a delist. I, I don't think that he's going to make it at the level. I don't um, think you can re-rookie him. He's three years. So maybe he's on the main list. I actually don't know, but I, I would delist him then. Um, so if that's where I've got him sitting at the moment, the next one was Brandon Matera, who's been uh, we were suggesting to delist. So I've got what we've marked as their suggested. So this is three weeks ago. We suggested he was going to be delisted, and he's since been released. Looks like Bailey um, Banfield is on the main list. Good call. Okay, so, yeah, so right, I, I would delist him um, anyway. I think free up the space. I don't think he's going to make it. Yep, Brandon Cox. Brandon Cox. Give him a big three-year deal. Um, some of these guys may have re-signed. You, three you, years, yeah. He's giving he out looks, three years, wow. He looks not, good. I, I yeah. He looks really good um, as a defender. He looks comfortable. He looks impactful. He looks, if anything, like a... Um, oh, damn it. The name has just gone out of my head. Um, who's the second def- key defender for West Coast? Not McGovern, the other intercepting defender, the young one. Allen. 
No, Oscar Allen plays forward. Oh, Brando? Also got dark hair. Nah, also got dark hair. Plays, like, clearly best 22. Um, um, so what is it? It's Hearn, McGovern, and... Barass. Barass, yeah, that's it. He's playing, like, a better version of Barass. He's confident. He's capable. If, like, I really rate him as a defender. I'd give him three years and lock him away for a while. Alrighty. Brett Bewley? Uh, two years he's been doing a job um, I, I don't think that he's necessarily a long term solution but you need players that can play and he can kick the cover off the ball and he's playing a role so give him two years yep Ken McCarthy was one we talked about he's been released David Mundy up yep. next the old vet give him a year um, good call love, love stick it. around yeah, yeah no, give, he's him, been good. give him five but hey whatever <laughs> I need yeah. I need it for our keeper team yeah, you do <laughs> Um, Dylan O'Reilly he's been released as well yep uh, Hugh Dixon he was delisted we said to, we said to delist it and he's since been delisted Isaiah Butters was released um, he was part of that mid-season Jar- release wasn't he yep yep um, Jarvis Pina uh, we said to re-rookie him and he's been delisted it's um, disappointing. I thought I, I liked Pina at under 18s. I thought he, he showed some talent, but yeah. I, th- I think it's been a tough year for players that are in their first year of football on the rookie list um, yeah. or, or, or not in not in really selection contention. It's been pretty hard for those players to get a spot. He'll, he maybe will come back in a few years' time and, and get his chance. Yep. Uh, Jason Carter. Has been released. Yep. I think he was the one that controversial release. Was that it? Yeah, he might have been in some sort of incident. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember exactly the specifics of the incident. Yeah, uh, Lockie Schultz. Um, give him probably two years. I've I've liked him as well. So he was one of the I think he was one of the boys from Williamstown that was drafted um, when Bewley was drafted as well. Um, and look, I, I liked his pressure. Um, I don't think it'll be a best twenty-two player forever, but he can prove me wrong. He's got some solid guns on him as well. So, Luke, good. Just just. Just looks good in the jumper. <laughs> Always need a good one, uh, since they've yep. lost Pav especially. Yep. Um, Luke Valente? Uh, I'd give him one to two years. I reckon I'd give him one. I um, His body hasn't held up so far, and I probably think that he was pretty big in his under-18s year, so his body should have been really at the level. Um, I, I'd give him rolling one-year deals from now to see if he can get it together. Yeah, oh, look, I'd probably give him two. I think being an eighteen-year-old or twenty, oh sorry, twenty-year-old now, he'd be. Uh, he's the kind of player that there's enough, like, um, for the listeners, I guess, to liken him. He, him and Jackson Haitley in their bottom age year, I think it was that year, they were very, very similar, and I was shocked that Haitley went as high as he did. I felt that him and Valente were right on the money together. Um, yeah, and I guess that. that... The slight difference is, though, that Haitley's testing was better. And I, I know that stuff doesn't really matter that much because it matters what's on the park. But, like, Haitley was top 10 in vertical, um, whereas Valenti wasn't really anywhere in any of those tests. And just little things like that. I mean, obviously, Valenti's had a bad run with injury, but th- those things do matter. Um, so, I, yeah. One to two. One to two years is fine. I mean, I, I don't think either one of us would judge them for either of those. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's yeah. I guess yeah. Like I'm just. I think there's a bit more talent there than probably uh, a one-year deal. Um, and yeah, he's got body issues. But I mean, we've seen clubs punt on 
guys with body issues for years, and I don't see why he should yeah. be any different, really. Um, Tom North has been delisted. Well, yeah, we said that he should be delisted, and he has since been delisted. And Toby Watson. Uh, One-year deal for me. Only one? I think that... It, yeah, I, he's only played like four games, three games. Yeah, but um, I, I thought given he broke in this year, and I, what I saw, I, I, yeah, okay, I'd give him two. <laughs> I, I like I like keeping people hungry. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's. I mean, if he's if he's in the if he's in the side, like he's been, he's in the side. Say they've got defenders coming back from injury as well. Remember, yeah. If he's in the side, come round ten like next year, you can extend him. You can you can offer him one plus one year contract, and if he has a games trigger clause and stuff that's fine but I would like the option of delisting him at the end of next year if he's been in the side for three years oh in the on the list for three years he hasn't been in the side at all next year because they have their defenders back and they want some flexibility with what they're going to do with their list um, so one, one to two or one plus one give him a trigger contract maybe yeah okay fair cool um, yeah, we'll just we'll disagree on that one. Uh, I think that's it for the axe section. So that's yeah. You know, I, mean, I mean, it's a bit handy when they've um, they've already made a few of their cuts, so it makes our life a bit easier. But uh, like, well, it was, like so, was semi it was semi validating, if anything, because um, I think that we'd written this up as you said weeks ago, um, and then four of the people that we said delist have since been delisted. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's good to see that the club is taking action on those sort of fringe players and making sure they continually top up with talent. Yeah. Hooking into trade and draft, so what's missing? Um, uh, probably, you know, like an 18-year-old key forward or a key defender probably more so uh, would be nice. Um, and then, yeah, probably looking more to the future, they need to start to make plans to replace uh, Sonny Walters and, and, and Matt Fife and, and David Mundy. And obviously they've got Chera and Brayshaw and Sarong now and, and uh, I guess probably the next next thing to look for um, And since Sarong has kind of proven that he's probably going to be an AFL midfielder, um, which is, I mean, it's great to see. I, I definitely thought he'd probably play more mid-forward than he would play in the guts, but he looks to be playing really, really well in the guts. And it'll be very interesting next season to see how he handles the the pressure of being the rising star and people having a lot more vision of him. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see them, you know, this year, uh, you know, if with his injury he slides, a kid like Elijah Hollands could be that long-term replacement for a guy like Sonny Walters that I'd like to see them looking at. So um you know that that's probably the main two things that what's missing it for them. Um, yeah, there's there's not there's not a whole lot missing, is there? No, um, they've, they've got a lot of good. And a lot of them are quite like Lob Hogan. Uh, these kind of guys, you know, they're they're still twenty five, twenty six. So, you know, they're yep. not really progressing into the thirties. They should be still there when they're getting dangerous. So, um, trade bait, mate. Yeah, so I've got Connor Blakely's trade bait. I think there's been a couple of clubs that have been listed as being interested in him. Um, but I, I probably don't think he's worth much more than a third rounder. Um, he hasn't been in the side, and Freo were a bottom side. Um, he's relatively injury prone. The only thing that would potentially work in his favour is that he's 24. Yeah. Um, so potentially, maybe there's like a pick swap where they um, they might acquire a pick 
during the trade period. Um, I think it's probably worth a third rounder or an upgrade from a third rounder if they have one to a second, um, but not much more than that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's a hard one, Blakely, because I think his best is probably worth a, a mid, mid-second. mid um, and, that, and that's really the trouble with not playing him is he's definitely devalued. So, yeah, I mean, I think third's probably fair, but I uh, wouldn't be surprised if Frio's starting position is a second. Um, yeah. Uh, Darcy Tucker. I'll... Yeah, I put Darcy Tucker in there just because I am interested in how their balance in their midfield works with Tucker there. So he was injured for a lot of the year and he was clearly in their best 22. Um, so he was in their starting midfield rotation at the start of the year. But when you're playing Tucker, Brayshaw, um, Sarong, in the middle, you're getting a bit same-same. Um, yeah. I think that's why we, we sort of said people like Walters and other players that can really impact and, um, forward as well start to create some value. And I think that somebody like Darcy Tucker, because he's 23 years old, offers value to a club like a Hawthorne um, or an Essendon. But I really think a Hawthorne-type club would be good for him. Um, he, he'll go to a club and probably net you a second-round pick. Um, because he's a reasonable player and a good age. Yeah. Um, and it might be the right thing to do just to rebalance your side. Yeah. I think he'd be a good option for Swans, actually, thinking about it. Yeah. I think yep. um, I think he'd, yeah, I think Swan, right. Swans would be a really nice fit for him. Um, and then, I mean, we're on the list, we've thrown Luke Valente on there, just as we spoke about, a little bit injury-prone, um, certainly still got some value. Um, he, he's, he's probably still a, worth a good second-rounder. Yeah, yeah, a late second rounder. Um, he's he's a good like, I mean, watching his draft year, he he was definitely a slider. Um, you know, as we kind of said, like Haitley probably was a little bit higher than we thought. Um, Valente probably slid, and, and Tom Sparrow was the other one um, who who probably jumped ahead of Valente uh, just due to to speed. I think it was like Valente yeah. is probably a little bit one paced. Um, so I guess. I, I don't think they would trade him, but he's worth I, throwing out to the market because they're, you know, an, an Essendon would probably love a guy like Louis Valente. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't think that they should trade almost any of those guys. Maybe Blakely's the one I think that they should trade, but they're about the same. They're really like, they're they're similar. Like, they're not really multi, multi-paced players that hit the scoreboard and stuff. They're all one-paced players that you don't want to add into that midfield that they've got already. Um, yeah. So yeah, those those cool. three um, current draft picks, they've got pick ten, um, which is that seven that slid to ten. Um, they have pick twenty eight, which is Melbourne's second round selection, um, yep. not their own second round selection, uh, and that's it. So we mentioned that they don't have any picks after that. Um, free agency, trade and, yeah, trade and free agency, um, like bringing players in. Uh, I don't know. Um, I think. We sort of mentioned Isaac Smith maybe will help some of the young wings develop, just bring over a role player, but it's a maybe. Like, I mean, they played all right on the wings. They've got Aish and um, Chera, who are both going all right. So it's um, that's, a, that's a maybe for me. I mean, I don't know if you have any strong feelings on that. Uh, not really. I don't think I don't think they should be really. They're not, they're not in the window where I'd be going after free agency at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, the un- 
Yeah. The only other one I, I was sort of thinking, and it's only if he's a delisted free agent, is Buku Kamas, who I really like as a intercepting key defender um, or intercepting yeah. defender. But even then, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I just I don't I just don't think they. I think they should just keep doing what they're doing, which is the draft. And I think in um, probably two years they'll be in the right window to to go and try and pick up a, a you know 28, 29 year old. Um, uh, free agent um, to fill yeah. a, a position of some description probably for them I'm thinking it'll probably end up being a wing they'll probably be looking yeah. for so a guy like Isaac Smith in two years would be perfect um, but except he probably will be two years too old <laughs> um, yeah but yeah uh, yeah I don't think I don't think there's a lot of value in there for them and in terms of targeting I mean they got Blake Akers last year in the Bradley Hill trade which I thought was it's not a bad outcome Akers on his day is pretty handy um, I mean, if there was a good wing available to them, I'd I'd go for it. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think of like who you know, like a guy will. Um, I don't know. Like you, you kind of, I don't know, Mitch Robinson type who who's, you know, probably not gonna, not Mitch Robinson himself because you won't get him out of Brisbane, yeah. but. You know that kind of type that's that's um, not going to cost you the world. He's not he's not Hugh McCluggage, which will cost you a first rounder. You know, he might cost you a third or a second or a late second or something. Um, yep. And they just roll the dice with that. So, I mean, it's all going to depend on where a bid comes for for Joel Weston. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've had a look at him. I haven't really had a chance to have a look. It's a bit hard this year. Yeah. But, um, yeah. No, he's, what's he's he like? A, he's a good- He's a good kick of the footy. Um, he's pretty hard. Plays in the middle. Um, can go forward. Um, he'll probably he'll probably draw draw a bid somewhere in the late first, maybe early second round. So he'll, he's probably going to chew up that second selection. Um, but I I, I uh, yeah I think I'm the same as you. I think they should just keep going to the drafts. Um, I think that their their strategy has been good, and we always value the draft. I mean they're not in the window right now so you don't need to try to accelerate anything um they're, they're just at the right spot to continually use draft picks and i mean given pro- that probably the correction okay. there is that we do value the draft but i mean if you're if you're geelong for example this year they're you know geelong's probably got what two years left in the window if they play it right yeah maybe three maybe, maybe, yeah. Uh, yeah exactly there's no there's no reason why they they've got three first round picks there's no reason why they don't hold 11 and trade you know whatever the the west coast and their pick end up being so it might be like you know 14 and 16 or something there's no reason why they can't bundle those and trade them out for you know package players go to north melbourne and trade you know pick I don't know, 14 for um, Goldie or Higgins, Goldie and Higgins or something like that. You know what I mean? Like there's yep. no reason why they can't use it to get the now. Um, yep. But I think if you're outside of, if you're outside of kind of probably the top five or six, you should just be hitting the draft. Like that, that's just what you should be doing. There's, for, you know, St Kilda's jumped up on the back of a, you know, good trade period last time, last year identified some undervalued players or some guys wanting to leave like Howard and Jones and that sort of thing. They went and got a good, great player in Brad Hill. But at the same time, you know, um, Roe Marshall's a good ruck, but, you know, he loses Paddy Ryder pretty much next year. Um, Yeah. Hannah's has really struggled still. 
So it means they're probably a class midfielder short. Um, yeah. And and really, like, you, you're wondering where they're next. Like, if they keep going and doing what they're doing, you know, they're going to have to keep trading for, you know, you're not going to get a Brad Hill on the market every year that you're going to be able to get. Yeah, agree. Is what yeah. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, no, you're right. Um, uh, I think that, yeah, we, we, we do value the draft. Um, and I think that's the right strategy for free at this stage. Probably the yep. only pick that they're going to be able to use at the moment is 10. Yep. Um, assuming that eight, 28 gets chewed up by Joel Weston. And at pick 10, they're probably going to miss out on those first six guys that will that will comfortably go by then. Um, I'd say that um, there's two guys around that mark locally. Um, I don't know if True is around that mark. It might be a few picks back, but I, I rate... Zane True um, and O'Driscoll, both taller mids, um, and I and I like the I like the scope that both of them have. Probably, if I was going to go a third option, it would be someone like an Oliver Henry, who's just a bit more of a tall utility, um, and I think that tall utility type fits Fremantle's profile because if he ends up being a key forward, that's great, and if he ends up being a key defender, that's great, and if he ends up being a wing. That's great. They need all of those things. Um, you sort of just could fill either hole. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess they're a bit of a hard one. They really need a mid-forward, a utility type um, kind of thing. So, I mean, uh, Elijah Holland is really the one that just comes to mind. He's probably going to be gone by pick 10. Pick 7, they might be a chance to get him. Um yeah, they, they would. Have, they, probably, they probably would have been a chance to, if someone snuck up at the end to sneak one of those better players. But I mean, are they the one that rolled the dice on Tanner Broon? Like they, that's that's potentially. I mean, he can play forward and um, and run through the midfield as well. Um, you know, there's uh, what's the what's the kid from Tassie called uh, Davis? Is that him? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so he, he's a potential there as well. Um, probably a little bit early for him. Um, I mean, Sam Collins from from um, from Tassie is probably not a bad shout for them either as a bit of a general defender. Um, but, uh, you know, the question is, is he going to compete with Griffin Logue? Or, um, I mean, he's a little bit smaller. He's probably more of your Luke Ryan eventual replacement. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, I think there's a few opportunities for them. Um, I, I could see them being the ones at pick ten to make the bid on Braden Campbell from Swans, for sure, because yep. he, he's a, he's actually probably the one that fits really yeah, he nicely. Yeah, fits their profile. Yep. Um, he is that inside midfielder and plays uh, forward. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, it's a, yeah. I mean, it's a good problem to have. That I think there's a lot of opportunity for them. Um, to really, yeah. uh, they, they're not a club with an obvious need, so it actually means that pick ten, if they want to get creative, they could use pick ten. Uh, if they know roughly where the bid for Western's coming, they could use pick ten to maybe try and get some value, or they could take it across to next year. Or um, yeah, it's I don't know. It, yeah, I'm just really struggling with Frio as to how what they get what they want because. I mean, there's there's not a lot of those style of players that they probably really need. Um, no, there's not. I mean, if they I, go um... for if they go for a key forward, if Grange, I mean Granger Brass won't slip. But if they went for a key forward, they could get um, 
oh the other the other Tassie boy um Callow Jackson Callow he, he'd probably be yep. around about pick 10 um yeah so he, he's a marking key forward if you if you're not trusting that Hogan um is, is going to last or if if um uh, Tabernar is going to slide backwards you could definitely go for someone like Callow um and, and he's a 194 195 centimeter forward a bit a lot like Hogan I guess if there's a club as well that doesn't rate a pick in the top six for some reason, yeah, for any for any reason, I don't know why the club wouldn't. Um, but say, say Gold Coast for some reason wanted a few more selections, like a twenty-eight and ten for five, um, and you might need a future pick or some something some swap like that. But being able to try to get inside that top six would be really valuable. Um, yeah. Agreed. But otherwise, yeah, maybe maybe sending it into the future as well. Like maybe going, okay, then we think that North Melbourne aren't going to be very good. Um, we'll we'll take North Melbourne's first round pick for pick ten, um, future first round pick for pick ten, and yeah. hope that it comes in the top four next year. Um, you could do that with a couple of clubs. I wouldn't mind them doing that, given they don't have any urgent needs. Um, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so sort of a it's an annoying position and a lucky position. I mean. We'll wrap up now. So, um, did you have any final words for for Fremantle? Yeah, um, yeah. For Frio, I really just think they need to um, uh, need to maintain the the positive out of twenty twenty. They've 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 really come together this year in a really good way, um, and I really just want to see them carry that forward because there's a lot to like about their list. Um, they've got. You know some guys who they picked three or four years ago who are really starting to come on well. Um, they need to maintain that development um, because the more they get those guys to develop, the better the the better they're going to get out of like guys like Nat Fife and that sort of thing when they really are competing. Because you know, I think at the current development rate, they could possibly start competing in about two years. Um, yep. And I could see them very much leapfrogging clubs like Essendon and Carlton very comfortably um, if they don't maintain that positivity, if they don't maintain the, the general direction that they're, they're going in. Um, potentially for one of those, you know, the the reasons that we mentioned before in the ugly, um, then the wheels fall off very quickly and, and you can be going in the wrong direction. You can be sliding back down the ladder. Um, you only really have to look at, you know, a completely different list shape to North Melbourne, but that's a great example of, um, you know, a, a good string of injuries, some things not quite going right, and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're back in, you know, 16th, 17th, where you don't want to be. So um, maintain the course, keep the club off-field settled. Um, Longmuir looks like a ripping coach. Um, keep your game plan going well, and, and yeah, and just keep going to the draft. Yeah, keep going to the draft. That's what I'd say as well. Um, yeah, the the strategy in general is working. Um, uh, hopefully, they've moved on everyone that um, could potentially be released mid season and have a spat, like people that they don't necessarily see as part of their long term future, or things are going to be easier for them next year and they won't have a problem like that. Um, but I think that they are moving forward in terms of their list composition. Really like the way that they're shaping up. Um, it's just going to be about everyone going, getting five percent better next year, um, and seeing seeing where they can go to from there. Yeah, absolutely. 
And that's us, mate. That's us for the day. I mean, I think that we were talking pre-episode about um, starting to make these episodes shorter so we can get through more, but we still, um, we almost topped the hour again, so great work to us. Um, I don't think that once we start talking, we can ever really, truly stop um, comfortably, but um, thanks. I, I do really appreciate jumping on for those of you that, I mean, no one would understand or know this, but Sean and I for the first time had like just a video call before we um came onto the podcast and had a beer and just had a bit of a bit more a bit more of a normal chat um and it was really really nice um it's just made made my weekend so thank you mate um and i love you and i look forward to podcasting with you again soon yeah thanks mate it really was a it was good to have a catch up and and i mean we we'd probably need to do it more often we're very good at talking to each other on these and and even before these but we um probably don't do the video calls so much and we we probably took for granted that you know we'd, we'd be seeing each other a lot sooner <laughs> so yeah. um you know um love you too brother and and hope you're keeping well and hope all our listeners are keeping well and especially uh, our fellow victorians um you know hopefully the end of this stricter lockdown is in sight um what is it tomorrow we find out don't we um what what we're going to look like if they're going to modify anything with with step two um and then hopefully we can i mean 12 cases today um we're on the right path to get down to five cases um so hopefully we can get there and and uh be like the rest of victoria and out into stage three and into the open air galloping along the beach it's gonna be fantastic mate um look forward to seeing you all soon and um yeah thanks again for listening guys catch up bye if you constantly worry that the worst is going to happen you're not alone one in four australians will experience anxiety no one anxiety is talking visit beyond blue to start a life beyond anxiety